Welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number 153. I'm your host, Mark Hebsher, alongside Toronto Mike. Today on the show, I went to a Grey Cup party yesterday, and after about 15 minutes, the host switched over to the New England-Dallas game. Hey, I thought it was supposed to be a Grey Cup party. We're from Canada. Luckily, we caught the Keith Urban halftime show, which was pretty damn good. Too bad most of the folks in eastern Canada couldn't give a hoot about the Grey Cup. Really? Out west, they love it. Here, eh, we got other things to do. Uh, the Maple Leafs are 2-0 and under Sheldon Keefe, and some folks are already talking Jack Adams uh, trophy. Others are planning a Stanley Cup parade route. I'm serious. It's like this veil was lifted off the Maple Leafs, and suddenly they're the greatest team in the world because they got another coach. Well, time will tell. Uh, speaking of a Stanley Cup parade route, just a parade route, uh, is it possible this year's edition of the Toronto Raptors is better than last year's championship squad? Why, wait a minute. Have you out of your mind? What are you smoking? The legal stuff? Are you crazy? We had Kawhi last year. Hey, the Raptors are doing pretty well, and they don't even have Serge and, and Kyle Lowry yet back. They could be better than last year. The Buffalo Bills are 8-3. and three. The Buffalo Bills have a chance of making the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? That's right. The Harvard-Yale football game was delayed by almost an hour when students protested climate change at halftime. Not just students, Sam Waterston. From Law and Order, a Yale graduate got arrested. The Killing Fields. Yeah, he was so was good in that fabulous movie. The New York Yankees have hired a female hitting instructor for their minor league teams. That's right, a woman teaching professional baseball players how to hit. Welcome to 2019. We're brought to you by JerseyFactory.com. Get your team outfitted with the coolest uniforms and other apparel from a fine Canadian company. You can choose any style you want. You like Nashville Predators colors? Great. You're a Philadelphia Phillies? Terrific. You want a t-shirt like Toronto Mike? JerseyFactory.com. Play like a pro. Look like a pro. JerseyFactory.com. I wrote this last night, and I'm looking at it now saying, geez, I don't know if I want to risk a lawsuit. But at the time, when I wrote this, I was convinced that the coach of Canada's Davis Cup team, forget the Grey Cup for a second, because it's a bunch of Americans and a couple of Canadians. And they play in Canadian cities. I'm talking about Canada, Canadians, got it? Tennis, Bianca Andreescu started all of this, and now the Pospisils and Shepovalovs and Oje Eliasims and somewhat the Milos Raonic's, but not this past week, are coming to the fore. These are, these are Canadians, and we're at the top of the world. So here's what, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this yesterday. And I'll apologize if an apology is necessary, but I don't think so. What the hell was Canada's Davis Cup coach Captain, thinking yesterday, Canada could have been on top of the tennis world. We could have won the Davis Cup. Oh, have you're out of your mind. What do you thought? We could have never beaten Spain. Bullshit. We could have beaten them. I'm so pissed. And I haven't gotten an answer yet, a confirmation. Um, so I'm going with this story, that Frank Dancevic is the worst coach on the planet today. Why do I say that? Because he played Denny Shapovalov now, I'm not positive of this. I can't get confirmation. I don't know if he was forced to play Shapovalov against Nadal. I, I think he might have been able to play Shapovalov in the first match against Roberto uh, Bautista Ogu. And that's what I would have done if I was the coach because he's your best singles player and you got a chance to win your first match and end up getting to the doubles because you're not going to beat Nadal and then getting to the doubles with Pospisil and then and, and you could win. Right. And, and he didn't. And I'm pissed, and I and I, I can't get any answers. Sportsnet, I watch it on Sportsnet. You did you watch it? 
Uh, I wanted to watch it because I heard you hype it up all Friday, and I what? got excited. And then, to look after the kids? What was it? I uh, know. I, I had Twitter open, and I said, okay, it's starting now. Go to Sportsnet. I only get Sportsnet. I don't get this. It's on Sportsnet 1. This is a second tier or an additional tier I don't pay for. So I clicked over to Sportsnet, and they, they had something else on. Curling. Didn't they have Pinty's Curling? I don't know. But it was something that wasn't, wasn't tennis. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. And I realized, oh, I don't get this station, and then I went about my uh, day. So, so I did not see any of it. So you didn't see any of it because it's only available on Sportsnet 1, which is a premium channel. Right. Wow. So let me fill you in. I've been yeah, watching, I'm, you I'm, know, I'm been watching know it all week long, all the matches, okay? I got up 4.30 in the morning the other day. I was out of my mind. Uh-huh. But I'm watching the matches, and I expect, I expect, um, I know a lot about tennis, but I don't know every little rule, an intricate rule when it comes to the Davis Cup, especially this new format, which we'll talk about here. So I'm under the impression, and perhaps the misimpression, that that the coach can say, okay, I want you to play him, and you don't play him. I would, I would assume so. Uh, me too. And unless I hear something to the contrary, unless someone on Sportsnet, of all the people they had there, remember, they only had three people actually in Madrid. That's Arash Madani, his producer, and his camera operator. That's it. Everybody, No other boots on the ground. And Arash did a terrific job. He's interviewing everybody pregame, postgame, features, the whole thing like that. But everyone else is back in Toronto, sitting right. behind a desk, okay? And when you don't have boots on the ground... You, you can't get the information necessary all the time. And so no one said on the Sportsnet telecast, oh, by the way, uh, Coach Frank Dancevich has to play Denny Shapovalov against um, the number one player in the world, Rafael Nadal. Right. No one said that. So, so here's, I'm, I'm led to assume, as are many other viewers uh, and listeners and fans of tennis, because I've been you know, checking out Twitter and but other you know, um, chat sites, and people are convinced that, as I am, that Dancevic blew it by not playing Shapovalov, your best singles player, and 8-2 and two in his last 10 singles matches against Roberto uh, Bautista Ogu. Right, who, get the win. Who hasn't, who hasn't played much, and is just uh, his father just passed away. Just, he, he hadn't played much at all. I think he played once or twice during the round robin, left the team for a few days, came back. So, yeah, you get your best guy. You win that. Right. You rest... You rest um, Shapovalov in the second, of course, the second match. So he gets a couple of hours rest while you send maybe right. Felix a or my, a mild conceit concession. Yes, you're not you going to beat you're not going right. to beat Nadal, but you got to win that first match with you. So instead, uh, he plays Felix Ogelisim, and, and Felix is great, but he hasn't played in six weeks. He's not match tough. He's not match ready. Right, and and he made you know uh, why several, not pause several mistakes. You could have played Pospisil, but he wanted to rest Pospisil. This is another thing, Dancevic. You wanted to rest him and make sure that he was ready for the doubles. But Pospisil has been your guy. He's been your guy, right? He's your guy. Has he got? Would, would he have a better chance of beating um, Bautista Ogu than than uh, Felix? Yes. Yes, he would. Would Would Chapo? For sure. I would take Chapo anytime. I would lay odds that Chapo would have beaten RBA. Then Nadal, you play Felix against Nadal. You serve him up as a sacrifice. Felix, <laughs> sure. we, don't expect, best, we, don't we don't expect you to win. Right. We don't expect you to win. We want to get it to the doubles. Right. If you can get it to the doubles, the deciding doubles, anything can happen. You can beat these guys. You can win the freaking Davis Cup. Instead, oh, we're so happy we got to the finals of the day. Typical Canadian. We're just thrilled that we got this far. No, let me tell you this right now. The Raptors won the championship. Would you have been happy if they made it to the finals and lost to Golden State? Some people would. I actually was going to be fine would. with that. I was you know, already, if, oh, we're fine, uh, we're second best. We're Canada, we're second best. Would you have been okay if uh, if uh, B.B. Andrescu lost to Serena in the finals of the U.S. Open? Yeah, she's. it's only her first time. She's 19 years old, blah, blah, blah. 
This is bullshit, folks. We're Canadians. Just because we're Canadians doesn't mean we have to concede to every other freaking nation and every other team. We're damn good. So why the hell couldn't we have won the Davis Cup? Well, because the coach, for some reason, was just thrilled that we had made it to the finals. We're so happy to make it to the finals. This is so good for Canadian tennis, blah, 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 blah. You could have won. We could have been hoisting the Davis Cup trophy. People, people could have been going, holy shit, Canada. These guys are for real. They're not just a bunch of hockey players. They're really good at tennis. And look at, and, and at golf, they got, uh, you know, they got Brooke Henderson. Wow, she's a great, and look at, look at how they are. And, and we're getting better in women's soccer. Not so good in men's soccer, maybe. Basketball, hey, we're gonna, you know, we got some good basketball players. Definitely. Hey, Canada's got to stand up for themselves, all right? And if we don't do it by trying to win as best we can the Davis Cup, Instead of saying, oh, well, Spain's too good. Man, you, you, had, you had a guy there, the ninth-ranked player in the world, Roberto uh, uh, um, Bautista Ogu. The reason he's ninth-ranked, by the way, is he went to the Wimbledon final, which gets your way up the rank. He hasn't been playing that well lately. He was ripe for the picking, and they should have put Shapovalov in there. Shapo would have beaten him. You, you concede to uh, Nadal in the second match, the second singles, with Felix, or, yeah, with Felix, and now you've got a well-rested um, Pospisil, and you've got a pretty well-rested Chapel because he played in the first match, and so you've got a couple of hours rest. What? I mean, we could have won it. We could have won the Davis Cup. What's the name of this coach again? His name is Frank Dancevic. Well, I think it's a reasonable uh, assurity that, uh, that it was his call who plays when. Otherwise, as Andy just said on Periscope, yeah. what's the point of the coach? Exactly, exactly. Now, again, again, had there been, had there been, uh, had he been forced to play Shapovalov against Nadal, it was up to Sportsnet to tell us. To, to explain how the draw works so that there would be no confusion at all. Right. Now, were they aware of this? And if they were, why didn't they tell us? But instead, all they're doing is, is hyping Canadian tennis. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, and there, oh, look, 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 there's Dennis's coach. He's on the desk. And, uh, and, he's ta and everyone's talking great about Canadian tennis. But hey, if you've got new people watching, or even people like me who know the sport, supposedly, you've got to explain the rules. You've got to say, well, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, Frank Dancevic can't play Denny Shapovalov against Roberto um, Bautista Ogu because of whatever reason, because the, it was a blind draw. Or, or whatever, the, or it was based on rankings. Whatever it is, let us know. But don't leave me hanging, because in this case, I think I am, thinking, what the hell is Dancevic doing? Because right, you're quite upset. Why wouldn't he, why would he play, why, why would he sacrifice Shapovalov to Nadal when he could have Shapo playing the number 15 versus nine, and Shapo's been playing great. Listen to this. Listen to this about Shapo. Here's who he's beaten. He's eight and two in his last 10 matches, okay? That's, uh, with the exception of, well... Exception of yesterday, okay, eight and two. So he beat the seventeenth uh, ranked player in the world, Karen Kachanov, thirty second player, thirty um, second ranked Taylor Fritz, the number eight seed Matteo Berrettini, number six in the world Sasha Zverev, thirteen in the world Gael Monfils, and number twelve in the world Fabio Fognini. Now that's pretty impressive. He lost to Djokovic in the finals of the uh, Masters. Okay, he lost to Djokovic. He got a walkover against Nadal, who pulled out of that tournament. He's been playing great. He's, he's in match shape, okay? And he would have beaten, not for sure, but he certainly would have given a, a better run for the money to uh, RBA. It was our best chance to win our the Davis Cup. Our best chance to win. And you had to, win that, you had to win that rubber in order to get to the finals, which is the doubles. And they didn't. And I blame the coach. And if someone's got information to the contrary, I'll apologize right now. But I didn't hear from anybody at Sportsnet or Canadian Press or anybody else that covered this, uh, BBC World Sport, uh, Tennis Canada, anything saying that um, Frank Dancevic had to play Chapeau against Nadal. If that's the case, I apologize. But, man, I think he blew it.
I think no, part up. of my ignorance was a busy day yesterday. Uh, is there is there outrage in this country over this? Like, uh, I hear outrage? your anger, but is there? I mean, are people like besides me upset mean? about us? I I don't know. I, I I haven't heard much about it. Yeah, well, that's yeah. I guess okay. Well, several viewers on Sportsnet.ca on the site there agreed with me. One wrote, "Yeah, I questioned the wisdom of playing Shapovalov against Nadal. I know Shapovalov has beaten him before. That's two years ago, by the way. But it would have been more logical to let Shapo play the first match just so he could be more rested for the doubles match had it come to that." Another wrote, yes, it would matter. Assuming no one on the Canadian team would beat Nadal, the likelihood of Chapo beating Batisto was quite high. And then Vasek Chapo would stand a high chance of beating the Spanish doubles team. We do not know what was going on internally. And there you go. We do not know what was going on internally. That was up to... Arash has to find out what's going on. He's the only one there. Well, or or the producer's (laughs) got to say, wait, uh, have the viewers had all their questions answered? Is it imperative that the viewers know how this draw went? Obviously, it wasn't, or they would have said something. So obviously, as far as I'm concerned, without providing that information, then we can all assume that the coach chooses who plays who. And he should have chosen Chapo in the first match there. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. And I love that on the uh, the morning after, uh, what do you, the National Drunk, what do we call the yes, Cup? Canada's National Nas- Drunk, yeah. yes. I love that West, we spent- Western Canada's <laughs> National Drunk. The first 15 minutes are about tennis. That's amazing. I'm so upset. We could have won. I feel it. Like, I'm we angry now, too. Like I, and the other, here's Thank the other you. thing. Here's the other thing. Pospisil was a god this week. He was 6-1. and one. He was unbelievable. This guy had back surgery back in January. He carried Shapovalov. He carried Canadian hopes. Right. And then he gets told the night before the final, you're not playing in singles. We're playing Felix instead. So he's like, man, come on. I went this far, but but it's for the team. I understand. And now it's like, don't you worry, though. You're our guy in the doubles. Well, guess what? Here's your best player, and he never got a chance to play in the final. He wow. never got a chance to play. Okay? So you didn't even set it up so that you had a great chance of getting to the doubles. And then, okay, Pospisil, would that not have been an unbelievable Cinderella story? You win the Davis Cup with a guy who just had back surgery, 29 years old, given up for dead, I mean, what a fantastic story. But instead, the kid is sitting there on his behind watching his compatriots lose singles matches, one of which should not have happened, at least. And so I just feel really bad for Pospisil. And I know he's a game player, but I think somewhere it's like, Jesus, I, I would have loved to have played. I mean, I played all week long. Felix hasn't played in six weeks. And even when he did, and even six weeks, he wasn't even playing that well. Hasn't played in six weeks. Now he gets the call. And not only that, he gets a call in a match that we had to win. We weren't going to beat Nadal. We had to win that match. That means that Dancevic had to know. He had to know that Felix was the superior player and was going to win. Okay? And I don't know how he was going to know that when he had been watching Shapovalov play six or seven or eight matches that week, playing pretty damn well, knocking off how many of these top-seeded players? I mean, what the guy? Was the guy chopped liver? <laughs> he beats. He beats Zverev. He beats. I, I mentioned all the guys. Berrettini. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, come on, man. No, I'm, now hell? you riled me up. Now I, I, I didn't even know there was controversy. So now I'm pissed off. Well, there is now. I'm ignorant. I have another stupid question. Maybe yep. there's someone else listening who's as dumb as I am. Yeah. Why is it only the men who play in this Davis Cup? Like, do women have a Davis Cup? Yeah, it's called the Federation Cup. Okay. So they don't want to merge them. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, combine them up and just country to country. Well. Um, that's a discussion for another time. Just, I'm just curious. I don't know. I'd like to see Bianca out there. All right. So Canada is guaranteed a spot in next year's Davis Cup finals. Let's hope that Frank Dancevic isn't the coach. And if he is, let's get an explanation as to how the draw works. Okay. Right. Why he made that decision. Maybe he didn't have, maybe he was forced to make the decision again. But until someone tells me that that's the case, there's a rule somewhere there that I say he blew it. 
Um, so we're guaranteed a spot in next year's uh, Davis Cup final because we got to the semifinals. Uh, Spain, Britain, Russia also finished top four. They secured entries, and France and Serbia were granted wild card entries. The rest of the field is going to be filled through qualifiers. So this new Davis Cup finals, and again, this is the way it used to be, and it's called a tie, a Davis Cup tie. Each match is called a tie. Um, it would be home and home. So for for like it, it would take three years. Right, right, like you right. play the Davis Cup tie here in Canada, and then a few weeks later or a few months later, you play. You know, if you were playing Italy, you play in Italy, all right. And then whoever ends up with the most ends up going to the next group, the next round, the next world group. Yeah, I never group. understood it. This yeah, is yeah. better. So this this new uh, this new Davis Cup Finals is the result of a twenty five year partnership between the International Tennis Federation, the ITF, and the Cosmos Group, co founded by former Barcelona star Gerard Piquet, who happens to be the husband of Shakira. Yeah. Wow. And that's why Shakira was performing the concert at center court prior to the Sunday matches. Now, I got to tell you, you weren't watching it, Mike. No. But there's something at 1030 in the morning watching a Shakira concert. Can you imagine being married to Shakira? uh, (laughs) Hang on a second. Uh, You're talking about someone who's been married twice before. Um, Two beautiful women, by the way, but that's got nothing to do with it. But I'm thinking Shakira at 1030 in the morning and then and then and then later that night, Keith Urban. Like what a day, which was better. So that was a weird thing to watch Shakira, you know, like and a pre- pretty, you know, pretty good concert uh, before the uh, the the. Well, Davis those hips final. don't lie. Yeah. So she performed the concert at Center Court. Um, this new event was created to make the team competition more attractive and lucrative. But uh, as you've heard, they still have a few bugs to work out by next year. Like you know, you've got to like the. F- Here's the thing. I've always maintained this. And this is, this is where judging a sport versus the crowd, the, the audience, the crowd, the viewers must know what's going on at all times. Viewers, whether they're in the stadium or they're watching on television or whatever, they need to be fully informed as to what the situation is. Right? An announcement from the PA announcer. If you're watching on television, the announcers say to you, all right, here's the deal, folks. The reason that Roberto Bautista Ogu is playing... Felix Ogiali-Sim is da-da-da, the draw went this way, and that's why blah-blah-blah, something to that effect. You've got to inform your viewer. And so, for example, when I watch a sport like diving, I don't know who's winning. I don't know, because it's up to the judges. But if I watch a sport like hockey, I'm pretty sure. I know, I look at the scoreboard, 3-2, right? right? A puck goes in the net, I know it's a goal, I know it has to be reviewed and all that, right? But but this idea that the crowd isn't sure, okay? Is, I, well, how come this? And You've got to inform your viewer. You, you, the, 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 the viewer, the spectator, must know, must be aware of the situation. Who's winning? Who's losing? Who's ahead? Any of that. And if you don't, then you, you're missing out on what is a sport. A sport has to involve the spectator, the viewer, knows what's going on. That way you can react accordingly as opposed to, that was a beautiful dive, and then you, the diver gets like a 4.2. Right. Oh, well, wait a second. I just that looked like a gorgeous dive to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, too much splash, whatever. Too much, yeah, whatever yeah. it was. The yeah. worst was figure skating, of course. I remember Taller Cranston in the 70s doing like a, with a, 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 an exceptional performance. You know, he gets all sixes, and the Russian judge gives him a 5.1. Yeah, and, and the East German judge. East yeah, German yeah, judge yeah, gives yeah, him a 5.1, yeah, 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 yeah. and you're going, what the hell? This is a fix. The fix is in. Right. Was the fix in in tennis? No, I don't think so. But tell me otherwise. Keep me informed. That's right. all I want to know, okay? That's love it. I, I love the passion. And like so many Canadians, I watched a Canadian football league game last night because I think I was compelled to because I think you're pretty much like, come on, you're talking But you sports. went to a great cup party. Yeah, I did. Well, so it, you were going to watch it, it some of those up, games. I was going to watch football and we ended up watching more American football. <laughs> Which is interesting. Yeah. So anyway, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers won their first great cup since 1990, 33-12 over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I know I picked the Tiger Cats. Everybody picked the Tiger Cats. Everybody picked the Tiger Cats. 
man, their coach, Orlando Steinauer, was terrible. He made some of the worst calls I ever saw. They had a they had a chance to win that game. They had several chances to win that game. He's going for it on third down. T- terrible calls. Quarterback sneaks. Huh. They turned the ball over six times. Brutal. Really, really A lot brutal. of turnovers for the Ticats. Now, this game may be for Canadian football supremacy, but really, it's Western Canada's game. I mean, people in Eastern Canada just don't care. Yeah, they, but they, Hamilton is here. Okay. Besides that, <laughs> know, okay. well, you have to have an Eastern representative, right? Um, but most of the big names are American. They're American guys, okay? For the most part. I, like most, picked the Cats to win, but they were awful. Um, the first two times they had the ball, they turned the ball over. It was just terrible. And the weather conditions weren't bad. It was lovely, balmy in Calgary. It was like two degrees. I was hoping for snow. I was hoping for you, you, their nostrils freezing, you know, <laughs> everybody wearing toques and stuff like that. And uh, you it wasn't see a their sellout. Breath. Did you hear that? It yeah. did not sell out. It wasn't a sellout because you could have watched it on television. But that's another story. <laughs> now, uh, the Bombers did not commit a turnover, scored on seven of their last eight possessions against the vaunted Ticat defense. And making matters worse for the Ticats, the league's most outstanding player, Brandon Banks, was lost to injury in the first half. It took away their biggest deep threat. People were suggesting that the Thai Cats were soft, that the Blue Bombers were tough, like Mike O'Shea, their coach. They were tough. They were guys hobbling around and like you know, and they'd go back out there. And that the Thai Cats were not the Warriors that people thought they were. That Brandon Banks uh, left the game, didn't return, and uh, he sort of uh, has a he's I don't want to say notorious, huh? But he he sort of got a soft spot in him. He's speedy, and that's great too. And I guess you can't be really fast and really tough. Or is that are those two mutually exclusive? But he and I think a couple of other Thai Cat players did not return to the game, and and that cost the Thai Cats. But man, when you're picked by everybody to win, when you've got an offense that scores more points than anybody else, and your defense is hardly giving up points, and you and you lose a game as badly as they did, they look terrible. Um, I'm sorry. Luckily, country singer Keith Urban uh, performed at halftime. He's not Canadian either. But they tried to make him a Canadian. Uh, it you was the first CFL game, he you know, said. Yeah, did you notice that, though? They noticed that? Like, they brought know, him, like the folks that. at TSN brought him up, they were so in awe of him. And the fact that it was his first fo- Canadian football game, that they brought him up into the booth with Chris Cuthbert and Glenn Suter. So it's the third quarter. It's a fa- I, I did know, see a bit of this, It's a yes. fairly tight game, I guess, but it wasn't that exciting. It was mm. kind of, so it's like, let's bring Keith Urban in for like 10 minutes or so. Maybe, right. maybe he'll do some play-by-play. Maybe we can ask him about his new record. Maybe we can talk. I to thought him about he. It. I thought this was part of the deal. Like, uh, I guess it is, but I don't need to now promote your. But I don't recall Shania Twain going up into the booth with Cuthbert and no? Suter when she did it. I don't remember. You know what I'm saying? I don't recall any other acts going up into the broadcast booth to do the game. Do you? I don't recall offhand. No, because it didn't happen. But for some reason, with Keith Urban, it was like, man, let's get him up there. Get him up into the booth. Ask him about his new record. Tell him how much you love the songs he was doing. Uh, ask him if he'll do some play-by-play. Right. Tell him that that Luke Tasker of the Thai Cats. That's that's Steve Tasker from the Buffalo Bills. That's like make that correlation between you've watched American football. This is Canadian football. Right. And then when the team goes across the fifty-five yard line, don't forget to mention, hey Keith, is this the first time you've ever seen the fifty-five yard line before? Like stuff like that. Sure. So after a while, it was like if you'd never watched a Canadian football league game, it was fun to watch along to have them explain to Keith Urban what the game was about. Right, the differences and but stuff. But after yeah. a while, it was like, did I tune in to watch a football game or did I tune in to watch an interview with Keith Urban? Uh, and where do we get the differentiation here? Because he's been out there for way too but long. It, I don't think it was as close as you remember. It felt like this game was over. Oh, no, no, you're right, though. That's that's right. That's probably like, why I, they I think it, that's the game key, was like, The game was pretty they, boring. They had to keep people tuned in or they were going to do what you did at your so. great cup party and you're go right. to the NFL yeah, game. And we ended up going to the New England uh, the New England game, which was, uh, which was a good game because it was like sloppy and, you know, and, and it was close game back and forth. They kept missing field goals and the rain is pounding down, stuff like that. But, yeah, it was like once the CFL game got kind of, oh, boy, here we go again, another punt. Punt, 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 run, run, run past punt, 
run past punt, pass, pass, punt. Like, you know, after a while, it just gets to be very monotonous. And so let's flip the other games on. So that's, that's uh, what we did. Did you know Keith Urban is not Australian? This is what I learned yesterday. Yeah, he's English, isn't he? No, he's from New Zealand. Oh, he's a, he's a Kiwi. Correct. What am I going to say? Okay. What, tell all, me, what I, I say? They all sound okay. alike. The game he is could, the game. He could have uh, been from Tasmania. Right. Okay. <laughs> Close enough. I always think of the Flight of the Concords, right? That was fantastic. From, what a great uh, show. I know. I know. I think of That's Murray all the time. That's a great Prisons? show. Murray? That's a uh, show. I know. I love that show. Yeah. Uh, Hebsey. Uh, okay. The game, fine. Whatever. Yeah. Winnipeg won pretty easy when I look back at yeah, that. Yeah, they but, sure did. Uh, give us your f- proper review of Keith Urban's halftime show. I liked it. I'm not, I don't know Keith Urban's music, but I, I am a music fan. And I appreciate anyone that plays, uh, any musician or anybody for that matter, no matter what their field of endeavor is, if they, if they perform it at a high level, at an elite level, I'm a fan. Now, I mean, I could be a fan of the world's greatest accountant, the, you know, whoever's going into the but accountant's, you want to watch that the accountant's Hall of Fame. I would have respect for someone who was entered into the accountant's Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, do, I, I don't know about Keith Urban. I'm assuming that he is either in or going to be in the Country Music Hall of Fame. I think he's extremely popular. Extremely popular. And also, he's married to Nicole Kidman, isn't right. he? Yes, he is. So, I mean, how could you not be? And he seems like just a nice guy. I think that's why they put him in the booth. He seems like he's an approachable guy. He seems like such a nice guy. So I think it's like, look, for halftime entertainment, let's get Keith Urban for two reasons. One, he's a great musician, and it was very, I I really enjoyed the music. But number two, he seems like such a genial guy that if we asked him to come up to the booth, he'd probably say yes. And if we asked him to do a little bit of extra stuff like sideline interviews and a few other things over (laughs) and above just playing the three songs, (laughs) that he would do it. Right. And he'd be that kind of a guy. And and that's the association that you want to make. Do you think the Grey Cup should showcase a Canadian uh, performance at halftime? Who's left? Okay, well, next year, I guess the Arkells will probably well, play in uh, Hamilton. How about like, this? They're probably Hamilton. How about this? The Super Bowl, should it always be an American? I don't think it's the same thing. Like, Why not? Be- because America is such a behemoth when it comes to entertainment that... Oh. The world is their stage. Right. Like for us, Canada, we're you know, as you know, much smaller and right beside the behemoth. Yeah. So I think, and I have, I don't have a strong opinion. Like I'm okay that they imported a popular uh, country music artist from New Zealand. Right. I'm fine, but uh, there are people on Twitter saying that this would be an opportunity for. A, there's a lot of good Canadian bands out there, and acts like one of them. Yeah, if you're a Canadian band, you want to do the Grey Cup halftime show. That's how you showcase your stuff. You play two, three songs. Well, Shania Twain did it recently. I yeah, Shania Twain, she's been around for a while. She's got a pretty good reputation that preceded <laughs> she her. Has so been find me another, find me a Canadian uh, musical act that has those kind of chops that's been around for quite a while. And I mean, Rio Statics. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Real statics, <laughs> halftime. It's a great. Well, you're cup talking next to year. the wrong guy because we'd be all in on that. But, yeah, we'd be all in on uh, that. It but again, the needle at uh, CTV. I don't know if it would or not. I mean, Maybe it TSN. would. Maybe it would. Maybe it would. Um, <laughs> but is it that important? See, here's the thing. The way I look yeah. at it is, if the Canadian, if the CFL, if the Great Cup was all Canadians playing, Canadian cities, and all the players were Canadian, then yeah. But they're not. Most of the players are American. Right. Right. Except for this one guy, uh, who, according to Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun, should have been suspended for the Grey Cup game. A fellow by the name of Andrew Harris, born in Winnipeg. Um, should have been the most outstanding player of the league, uh, but they didn't vote him in because he was suspended for two games earlier this year uh, for using um, steroids. Now, Steve Simmons says, and I quote, there should be no playoffs for Harris or any other cheat, no postseason at all. Now, if you go by the rules of other leagues, you get suspended for drugs, you don't play in the playoffs, man. That's suspended, and he got two games. Is that true in the uh, NFL? The, I'm not sure about all of the leagues, but I think generally speaking, it's 
it's more rare to see a player get off with a slap on the wrist in this particular case here. Like, how do you how do you not vote for him for most outstanding player of the season, but he gets the vote in the Grey Cup game for most outstanding Canadian and most outstanding player, which had never happened before. They made a big deal of that. Never before has the most outstanding player been also the most outstanding Canadian. Right? So this is great. And in Simmons' case, he's, he basically, and, and there's a lot of reason to believe what he says has some merit here, is that in other leagues, in other situations, uh, and even though he says, no, I never took these steroids, I never knowingly took steroids, he got suspended. He got two games, uh, and he um, and, the, and the football reporters of Canada did not vote him for most outstanding a player, which he was certainly eligible for. But so, I don't know, maybe, is it up to the writers? Is it up to the <laughs> league to... Uh, should he have played in the postseason? And had he not played in the postseason, would that have made a difference in the game? Well, all I know is this. Yeah. Steve Simmons' article, when it came out, it was immediately bulletin board material for the Blue Bombers. So if the Blue Bombers had any doubts at all, and then they read Steve Simmons' column saying that um, Andrew Harris should not be able to play, right? They go, oh, we'll show this son of a bitch. We're going to shove it right up his ass. And they did. So that was, uh, that was uh, incentive. That was a bu- bulletin board material. That was whatever you want to call it. Sure. But the bottom line is, is, is Steve Simmons correct? Should, if you get suspended, if you're a drug cheat, and that's essentially what it is. We found you, you, you we got you red-handed. We're suspending you for two games. Um, should that suspension have also included the playoffs? Should it have been more than two games and, and inclu- or say, okay, after your two games, that's it. Don't do it again. What do you think? It's interesting. I am seeing Steve Simmons tonight. You are. Yep. Ask him. I I I, I might, but well, I would, you don't have to ask him. He's already he's already he's, mentioned on you know he's already mentioned in his column that he didn't think so, Trevor Harris should be able to play. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe oh, you need stricter. I don't have a strong opinion. I need to do a little more cheats. digging on it. He cheated, uh, right? But the what rule, kind of but he, but he paid his he uh, his sentence. He's paid his uh, dues, according if you to will. League two games, according yeah. to league. Yeah, <clears throat> the league should probably so you could sw- have so you could swing so you could swing a helmet at a guy, right? You could swing a helmet at a guy, and you're going to get more games than if you cheated and you're a drug cheat and went against the league's uh, drug. No, game. they probably need to stiffen the uh, sentence for uh, drug cheats. I think it's probably uh, oh. uh, he's probably right about that. The other thing is, like, is that did did how much of his success was as a result of using steroids this year? Yeah, we don't know, but he could owe a great deal, right? Uh, that's what steroids do, right? Wouldn't you think the reason he <laughs> took steroids was so that it would improve his performance? Look what Barry Bonds I, did. Performance-enhancing drugs. So if you're a guy that takes has taken performance-enhancing drugs before, and, and we don't know, he might have taken them for years and, and he never got caught. He had a masking agent or something to that effect. So there's all of that, too. I mean, the guy did... I mean, you know, he's never going to admit to it. You always deny. That's what they say. Deny, deny, deny. I had no idea it was in my system. I didn't know it was a steroid, blah, 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 blah. You can do that forever. Dude, you got caught. You right. tried to enhance your performance illegally against the, the league that you play for, your employers, against their drug policy. You got caught. Should you have been reprimanded more severely by not being able to play in the playoffs? Not up to now, me. before we leave the CFL, you made a comment earlier about yes. how the, the Grey Cup was like Western Canada. It's game. totally Western Canada. But it's totally, they pandered to Western Canada. That's all they do. You know, in Western Canada, they can't stand the East. They hate Toronto. They look at Toronto and go, look at Toronto. They can't draw flies, and we can't. Who goes to Argo games? What do they have, 10,000, 11,000 at a game? They paper the house. It's a tough sell. Why is it a tough sell? Because it used to be in the Canadian Football League that you knew who your players were for a number of years. You knew this guy was going to be with the team for five years. Not you're going to jettison people in and out. They're going to play half a season. 
the Ricky Ray thing they hung on to for too long. What was going to happen, even if Ricky Ray didn't get injured and could had to retire or whatever, what were they going to do next? Well, you, you know, is there a farm system? Is there, is there a, you know, do you build through the draft? Or do you just grab the next guy that got cut by an NFL team and bring him up to Canada and say, okay, here's the difference between American football and Canadian football. Our balls are bigger. Our balls are bigger. There's only three downs. <laughs> the punt return's different. The field's wider, blah, blah, blah. Think about it, okay? So in the West, yeah, it's a big deal because Edmonton hates Calgary and Calgary hates Edmonton and they all hate Regina and Winnipeg hates Regina and the Banjo Bowl and BC and all that. That's fine. But in the East, nah. But you, you don't see people in these going, oh, those Ottawa, whatever they're called, renegades? Red Blacks. Red Blacks, sorry. Oh, those Red Blacks and those Alouettes. Boy, what a rivalry those two teams have. Woo, hoo, that Toronto-Hamilton rivalry. Yeah, that's Hamilton people. There's uh -huh. nobody in Toronto that gives a hoot about the Toronto-Hamilton rivalry. A few people, you know, maybe 500, but they're, they don't have that. But in Western Canada, that's all they have to live for. I told you, they got nothing to do. I'm with Nothing. you going to event. I'm with you going to the venue. But what about television? Like you will concur that uh, you know a great deal of people uh, wet, what sorry east of Manitoba watched this Great Cup yesterday. Okay, that's a one-off. Okay, have they, have so, okay. Been, have okay, they been okay. watching the CFL all year? We'll never know because the CFL's numbers are national numbers. But I'll, but I mean, and I don't want to guess, and it's not it's unfair for me. But I, and I don't know what they're going up against. But I mean, to my knowledge, you know, people are not packing the bars, watching regular season CFL games in Eastern Canada. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe in Kingston, because a couple of guys who play for the Blue Bombers are graduates of Queens University, maybe there's a few dozen that no, watch that. I, I, your point's valid. Uh, but the in NFL Western games Canada, yeah, in Western yeah. Canada, sure. They go, and they like their football, of course, but of course in Western Canada, they're more invested, it seems to me, in their football teams than people in the East are. It just seems that way. Toronto not invested in the Argonauts at all. The Argonauts might be the seventh most popular team in Toronto next to the Rock, right? The, the, the rugby team the, and the Big Four. Right. Yeah, the Wolfpack, the Rock, the... TFC. TFC. Would you put Marley's ahead three? of the Marley's maybe even... A, again, again. Right. Uh, in Montreal... Uh, I don't think people, I mean, I you know they don't have the Expos, and so, the, you know, they got the Habs, of course, and maybe, the, but I don't think there's a huge, massive um, interest in the Canadian Football League. In the Montreal Alouettes, sure, I guess, but in the league, no. Certainly in Toronto, there's no interest in the league. You don't see people going, hey, did you see that Edmonton Calgary game the other day, and how about that quarterback for Regina? No, not at all. So that's my point there, okay? okay. Um, hockey, did we say something about hockey? The go Leafs, Leafs, go. The Leafs 2-0 and under Sheldon Keefe. Do you think it's still 50-50 or uh, what's going on with our Leaf playoff? Well, we're still, not in a, we're still not in a playoff position. Right. The Leafs are not in a playoff position. But so I'm projecting. If but if you're, Yeah, but the thing is you also have to project the teams ahead of them play shitty hockey. Lots of time, though, to make up that ground. Yeah, but a lot of teams also to you know, jump over, Leapfrog, stay ahead yeah. of, stuff like that. So, yeah, listen, I mean, you know, I don't know. The odds, I'm sure, change every day. <laughs> um, but the Leafs are off till Wednesday, which is good. Then they travel to Detroit to play the Wings in advance of the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday, so the Wednesday night. Uh, and from there, it's off to Buffalo for a Friday afternoon game that starts at 4 p.m. So a 4 p.m. face-off on Friday afternoon. And then they're back in Toronto to, uh, for the, uh, the other end of the back-to-back -back with the Sabres Saturday night in Toronto. So dig this. So they don't play until Wednesday. So you go Wednesday night in Detroit. You got Friday at 4 o'clock in Buffalo. You get on the bus. You go across the border. Anything to declare? Yeah, we just beat the Sabres. <laughs> Off you go back to Toronto. You play the Sabres on Saturday night. So three games uh, against teams that they should beat. They should take five out of six points there. 
They should have five points in this in those three games. Sabres are just one point back of the Leafs, but they have two games in hand. Everybody has games in hand, by the way, on the Leafs. Everybody. Tampa's got five games in hand on the Leafs. And people are already saying, maybe they should fire John Cooper and hire Mike Babcock as their no. coach. Because right? they're playing so poorly. As if Mike is going to turn... Never mind. Um... The only thing here is, and before we give Sheldon Keefe the Jack Adams Trophy for Coach of the Year, <laughs> let's address the Leafs' problems in their own end. They're depending way too much on Freddie Anderson. I've been saying this for a couple of years. You've got, you cannot. The guy is fantastic, but you can't depend on this guy or he's going to end up being a puddle of sweat by the time the playoffs come along and you don't even have a suitable backup for him. So no matter how much talent they have up front, no matter, I mean, genius by Sheldon Keefe to put, genius to put Tavares in between Mikhaev on the left wing and Zach Hyman on the right wing. Genius for playing Tyson Berry with Morgan Riley. Genius for having Tyson Berry on the number one power play. Genius, right? Genius. If Sheldon Keefe were coaching Canada's U.S. Davis Cup team, <laughs> he would have played Denny Shapovalov in that first match the same way he played Tyson Berry on the number one power play. It's a no-brainer. You take your best player and you... Also, he does something that Babcock never did. He will call a timeout yeah. late in the game when he has he wants to rest his yeah. top power play unit on the power play. Like Babcock yeah. never did that. Listen, he's two. That's and, called coaching. He, he's two and zero. Oh, okay, I mean everything he's touches. I'm not planning. To everything he touches turns to gold. Wait until the Leafs and they will lose a game. Well, Barry looks a lot better. No, uh, wait until they lose a game. Wait until they lose a game. They lose a game, and everyone goes, "Wait a second, what's all that about?" You know, Babcock could have done that. I mean, you're riding it high now. It's good, uh, but you, you listen. You've got to find a way, and nothing against Arizona or Colorado, okay? Or, or Detroit or Buffalo coming up. Nothing against these teams. But talk to me when they come up against Boston, when they play Washington, when they play Pittsburgh, when they play the Islanders, when they play um, Tampa, even though Tampa's not playing well, even when they play the Hurricanes or the Habs or the Florida Panthers. Then talk to me. Not against, you know, Colorado and Arizona one-offs. Hey, we're on the road. we got a new coach. Hey, we're playing with renewed, you know, vigor and enthusiasm, stuff like that. So let's give it a bit of time, but so far, so good. Uh, Leaf forward Alex Kerfoot has a hearing today with the National Hockey League after he slammed Eric Johnson of the Avalanche into the end boards on Saturday and received only a two-minute boarding penalty. And I tell you, when I saw that, I went, holy jeez, he's gone for five in a game, mm -hmm. okay? And even as he was doing it, he was going, oh, shit, I shouldn't be doing this. And then he went right over to sort of try to apologize, which... I never got that one before. That I never could understand, right? Like you shoot somebody and then you go, oh, sorry, man, I didn't, you know, it got the best of me. Or, you know, or, or after so a guy hits another guy, right? He clocks him. He's like, oh, man, I, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry about that. Like you, dude. You, you can have immediate threw, remorse because in the passion and heat of yeah. the game, you can do something. But even man, so, man, you, uh, so anyway, it was only a two-minute penalty and there was a lot of complaining, especially by Johnson. Like, hey, man, that's a, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable there. you throwing me into the end boards there. He can't have that at all. So he's got a hearing with the NHL today. He might he might get off scot-free. He might get a one-game suspension for that. He's not a um, he's not a repeat offender. Not like uh, Robert Bortuzzo of St. Louis. Did you see the assault that he committed? Oh, my God, on uh, Nashville Predators winger uh, Victor Arvidsson. He, not only did he hit him from behind into the goal, like cross-checked him, but then when the guy was down and he knew he was getting a penalty, Bortuzzo, he, he hit him again. He gave it like one of those, I'm trying to think when I saw somebody else do that. Oh, I know. I saw Dale Hunter do it years ago. The guy was already down. Right. And he drew the penalty, and then Hunter just went over and just, the guy's like lying face down on the ice, and then he, he cracks him with another uh, cross-check, man, like that vicious. So he gets a four-game suspension, and immediately, of course, on social media, four games. Right. This guy's a repeat offender. He should have gotten 10 games. 
Um, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe four games not enough. I don't know about ten, but I think if he's a repeat offender, that's that's a six or seven game suspension. This is exactly what they got to get out of the game. They got to come down hard on these repeat offenders. This is just uh, gross. Yeah. Did you just say hard on? <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> no, you, you were thinking of Shakira. That's what you were doing. You were thinking of Shakira there. Hey now. Hey now. Speaking of looking good. Speaking of looking good, uh-huh. ladies and gentlemen, uh, nothing better than wearing a cool uniform. If you want your team to look really cool. You need to check out jerseyfactory.com. They make really cool, customized, personalized apparel for all sports for your team. Uh, they're a Canadian company with their offices and factory in Toronto. Jerseyfactory.com has team uniforms and other apparel for hockey, football, baseball, softball, basketball, and soccer. They got jerseys, pants, warm-up gear, coaches gear, team swag, and other apparel that can be customized to your liking. Any color combination, any style that you want. Jerseyfactory.com ships anywhere in Canada and the U.S. And their design team can make your custom jerseys look like the pros. And you know what they say, Mike? You know what they say. Play like a pro, look like a pro. So whether it's house league, rep, school teams, corporate events, team building events, go to the pros. Go to jerseyfactory.com and order your team's apparel. And if you use the promo code HEBSY at checkout, you're going to receive 10% off any order over $1,000. Which, and if you're, if you're outfitting a team... You know, it's not a tremendous amount of money and you're going to get a lot of mileage. I tell you, I remember playing, I remember distinctly playing all the teams I played for growing up as a kid, whether it be um, uh, softball or baseball or hockey. I remember the, the color scheme. I remember one year we had to wear Detroit Red Wing colors. Played for a company called Wallmaster Maintenance. And I don't like Detroit colors. I wanted Toronto, blue and white. And I envied the guys who played for the blue and white team. And we played, we had red and white, Right. So yeah. suddenly now I'm looking like Alex Del Vecchio and I'm looking like, you know, uh, Gordy Howe. And I don't want to look like these guys. I don't like the Detroit Red Wings. I know exactly how you feel. I was in a softball team once as a young man and right. we were the Yankees and I hated it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, go to jerseyfactory.com and um, pick out your customized uh, apparel for your team. That uh, The Raiders colors would be fantastic. Raiders. For like a, a, yeah, a slow pitch team or something. You know, it's funny. I, uh, yeah, I bought this. I'm not a Raiders fan. In fact, I hated them the years I was a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I, but I just, I like the logo. And, and nowadays, just because you support a certain team doesn't mean you can't um, not wear uh, a, a, cool, a cool uniform or a cool logo of another team. Doesn't mean, you're a, doesn't mean you're a supporter of that team. Do you know what I mean? You can get right. away. I can get away with, I think, wearing a, uh, a Raiders logo, even though I'm not a Raiders fan. Right? Yes. Now, as a Leaf fan, I can't get away with wearing a Montreal Canadiens logo. That would go, be going too far. Right? Right? But sure. Raiders are far enough away from the oh, Buffalo sure. from the Buffalo Bills, who are my NFL team. They're far enough away that I can right. that I can get. But away. I have breaking news on the Davis Cup. Front. Okay, tell me. I want to know what's going on. Dale Cadeau, all the way on the uh, the West Coast. Yes, he says Chapo could not have played match one because the highest ranked players play each other. This is what uh, Dale is reporting. And and what's his source? Dale, tell us your source yeah, here. Dale, no, I mean, that's great. Okay. I, I appreciate that, Dale, and it, it makes sense, I guess. But, I mean, I never heard anyone on Sportsnet tell me that. I never heard a thing during the course of the entire broadcast or afterwards from any authoritative member of the media, any journalist that said that Frank Dancevic was forced to play Denny Shapovalov against Rafael Nadal. If you can confirm for me that he was forced, that he, had no other, that he had no other choice, then I appreciate that. Okay. Toronto Raptors managed to squeeze out a victory over the Atlanta Hawks the other night in Georgia. Now, the Hawks had played the night before against Detroit, and they got their asses kicked. They came back. The Raptors were well-rested. The Raptors really should have put them away, but they made it interesting. They ended up winning in the, in the end, um, and that's good. 
because they face a very tough test tonight when they host the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, yeah. At the Scotiabank Arena. And where will you be tonight? For, I'll be there for the first time since they eliminated the Sixers on Kawhi Leonard's four-bouncer buzzer beater in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference semifinals. That's the last time Philly was here. Joel Embiid cried. He cried that night. And I'll bet you that he had this game circled on his calendar when the schedule came out. We're going back to Toronto. I know I did. This was the game I was looking for. I'm taking my son for his birthday to this game. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, and looking forward to seeing the undermanned Raptors with an 11-4 and record uh, continue their home dominance. They are 6-0 and at home. Folks, they don't have Serge Ibaka. They don't have Kyle Lowry. Two key ingredients to last year's championship team. Of course, they don't have Kawhi either. Three or ingredients. Or Danny Green. Or Danny Green. Four ingredients. <laughs> or Jeremy Lin. Wait a minute, I'm going too far. Oh, Jody Meeks. Okay, but too listen. Far. So you're tur- you've got that much turnover on a team, and you're playing this well without Ibaka? Four starters. Think about without that. Without Kyle Lowry? Okay. With Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher. And this is wonderful. I'm so excited watching this team play. And it's going to be a good one. And I tell you, the, and the Raptors are 11-4. and four. The Sixers <laughs> are right behind them at 11-5. and five. Wouldn't this be a, a great playoff series again next spring? Woo-hoo! And besides Joel Embiid, the uh, new-look Sixers have uh, Al Horford. Pretty darn good player and all-star. Uh, ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson. Pretty good starting lineup. So it's going to be great. And I tell you, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet together are just magic. I love watching these guys. And they look like they're having so much fun. And that comes from those commercials. <sighs> it doesn't it? Because when they started running those commercials last year, right. neither one of them was a... Well, the Van Vliet wasn't a starter because no. it was Danny Green and Lowry. Right. Um, and, and Siakam was the, becoming the most improved player in the league. But they weren't the superstars. I get they couldn't get Kawhi, I guess, for the commercial or Danny. And they said, how about you two guys here? And they're magic. Wonderful. Fantastic together. So I can't wait to see these two teams go at it tonight at the Scotiabank Arena. In the NFL, my Buffalo Bills moved to 8-3 and three on the season thanks to an emphatic 20-3 victory over the Denver Broncos. That's their best start in 23 years. And once again, quarterback Josh Allen led the way going 15 for 25, 185 yards and two touchdowns. He also threw his first interception in 172 attempts. Now, wow. if I was to tell you at the beginning of the season that a Buffalo Bills quarterback, mm-hmm. any Buffalo Bills quarterback, save for Jim Kelly of 25, 30 years ago, <laughs> would throw 172 straight passes without an interception, you'd say no. Wait. To Andre Reed, remember those yeah. days? Yeah, unbelievable. So Josh Allen's the man, and the Bills are eight and three. They don't have much time to rest though, because they travel to Dallas for a Thursday Thanksgiving Day uh, Thanksgiving Day game in Big D. So Thursday, Dallas, Buffalo. Um, so is this team for real? I haven't. Uh, well, you're going to find out now because closely. I think the next four weeks they've got some really tough company here, starting with Dallas. But you, but if you're going to have a weak schedule, you want to run out to an eight and three start. Well, yeah, at least they're going to make the playoffs. Well, I, they need two more wins to make the playoffs. Two more wins. But but again, there's still there's still time. Let's say hey, maybe they can come through against the Cowboys. You never know. Uh, the Cowboys had to deal with some pretty sloppy weather in New England. They're really calling for like horrible weather this week, like all over the United States and Canada, like all over the place. Mm. Uh, yesterday, they got a taste of it in Foxborough, uh, where the uh, Cowboys lost 13-9 to the New England Patriots, a sloppy affair. Uh, the Patriots now 10-1 uh, and one on the season, and the Cowboys have dropped to 6-5. and five. The San Francisco 49ers also 10-1, and one, as they totally dominated the Green Bay Packers, winning 37-8. to eight. And the Cincinnati Bengals, 0-11 this year 
as they lost 16-10 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tonight, it's the Ravens taking on the Rams in L.A. Thursday, the annual Turkey Day game in Detroit. The Lions hosting the Chicago Bears. The Bills in Dallas follow that one. And then the evening game is the Falcons and the Saints in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. A great story in the New York Times by Lindsay Barra. She's the granddaughter of the great Yogi Berra. She writes about Rachel Balkovic, who reports um, to Tampa on February the 1st. Why is Rachel Balkovic reporting to Tampa? She's going to become the minor league hitting coach for the New York Yankees. She signed a contract November the 8th and is believed to be the first woman hired as a full-time hitting coach by a big league team. Mike, this is huge news. This is huge news. Imagine being a ball player. Imagine being a coach and going, oh, you're part of the old guard. You think you're somewhat of a free thinker, and you're going, well, wait a minute, a woman? woman is going to teach baseball players, major league baseball players, to hit baseballs, not softballs. But but Haley Wickenheiser has been uh, working, and, and, and other figure skaters have... Uh, True. Woman figure skaters True. have worked with NHL. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure you can draw a parallel between skating and hitting a ball, uh, but, but having said that, listen, this is 2019. Uh, anyway, um, club officials with the Yankees say they hired Balkovic based on qualifications, including two master's degrees in the science of human movement and experience at several minor league clubs uh, that were a natural fit with the coaching crew being assembled for the next season. So it's not just about, oh, I played 20 years in the major leagues, I know how to hit a baseball. It's the mechanics, biomechanics, okay? Kinesiology majors and that kind of a thing, okay? That's, that's wild stuff, the science of human movement. Right. Uh, Lawson met Balkovic when they were both working for the Astros back in 2016. He was the minor league hitting coach. She was the team's Latin American strength and conditioning coordinator. She taught herself Spanish to be a more effective coach. To think even a few years ago that a woman would be instructing professional male baseball players is hard to believe. The Oakland A's, mind you, hired Justine Siegel as a guest instructor for the team's fall instructional league back in 2015. They also hired Veronica Alvarez as a guest catching coach in spring training last year. The Chicago Cubs hired Rachel Folden to work as the lead hitting lab technician and a fourth coach for their rookie-level team in the Arizona League next year. And at its winter meetings in San Diego in December, Major League Baseball will host its second Take the Field program designed to provide women who are interested in careers in coaching, scouting, and player development with opportunities to attend panels and breakout and networking sessions. Now, Mike, it wasn't that many years ago that people were surprised to see Nikki Huffman uh, as a tr- the trainer, for the head trainer for the Toronto Blue Jays. She's uh, left the team after this uh, past year. But it's been, I think she was there four years. And they were still, whoa, who's that woman in the dugout kind of a thing. So, um, you know, people like Nikki Huffman and others, um, and e- even though they're strength and conditioning coordinators, trainers, whatever, they're part of key staff on Major League Baseball. Uh, being a woman, though, has been the biggest obstacle for the 32-year-old Balkovic. After her messages were not answered when she initially applied for strength and conditioning jobs in baseball, she changed her first name on her resume and applications. She changed it from Rachel to Ray, R-A-E. And suddenly, the phone started ringing. Interesting. Most callers were taken aback to hear a woman's voice on the phone, she said, and wouldn't call back a second time. One team flat out told her they would never hire a woman. But Balkovic had already worked for the St. Louis Cardinals on a temporary contract in 2012 as a strength and conditioning coach for their affiliate in Johnson City, Tennessee, where she won the Appalachian League's Strength Coach of the Year Award. This is where it has to start. It's got to start at the lower minor leagues. It's got to start with these trailblazers, these women who are qualified for the job, but because of their gender, are not even considered. And it has to start with the players who need to actually 
respect and listen Correct. to coaching coming from a... And woman. there's new ways of coaching. Think about all the years where the coach said, all right, do what I do. Watch me. Hit the ball. As opposed to looking at a monitor and looking at a 3D image of yourself and biomechanics and uh, the science of hitting and where this... All that stuff. Um, so, uh, fascinating. Uh, Balkovich was a catcher on softball teams at Creighton University and New Mexico. She earned a master's degree in kinesiology from LSU. She left the Astros in the fall of 2018 to pursue her second master's degree in human movement sciences at Virge University in the Netherlands, uh, which has done advanced research in eye tracking in cricket and baseball. So huh. this, is, this is an area of great interest to Balkovich. This is the future. She might be overqualified. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, while in the Netherlands, she also served as an assistant hitting coach for the country's baseball and softball programs. Instead of former ball players becoming coaches, as has been the case over the last hundred years, let's see how Rachel and other women do in these traditional male roles. I'm looking forward to tracking the Yankees minor league hitters, uh, their progress through the farm system. Because uh, uh, if she uh, is a good and effective coach, there's no reason to think she can't work her way up as any male would be able to, to a lofty position in Major League Baseball. Spectators rushed the field to stage a climate change protest at halftime of Saturday's Harvard-Yale game, delaying the start of the second half by nearly an hour and causing the game to finish in near darkness. The game went to halftime at around 1.40 p.m. Eastern time, and students from both schools occupied midfield after the Yale band finished performing. All right, they went off the field, and all these students and others, including Sam Waterston, the actor, uh, came onto the field. Most protesters left after about an hour when they were escorted off by police. Um, two dozen who remained were under arrest. The field was ultimately cleared. The game resumed at 2.48 p.m. Eastern time. The delay led to an issue for the game's finish because the Yale Bowl does not have lights. Oh. And sunset in New Haven, Connecticut was set for 4.26 p.m. And they played double overtime. <sighs> and finally, uh, Yale won 50-43 to at 4.38 p.m. before it, uh, just before it became too dark to play. Uh, in a statement, the Ivy League referred to the protest as regrettable. Yale said that while it stands firmly for the right to free expression, it had issues with how the protesters went about the demonstration. So well, here's what happened. Players were stretching and warming up when the protesters first took the field. Police in yellow vests lined up alongside the sit-in but did not intervene. When the 15-minute halftime expired and the protest continued, the players returned to the locker room as dozens more fans streamed onto the field to join in the protest. The public address announcer employed the group to leave, repeating, and I quote here, as a courtesy to both teams, the game must resume. Protesters responded by chanting, okay, boomer. <laughs> 42 people were arrested in all, including Yale graduate Sam Waterston, the great actor who spent many years on the show Law and & Order, and I wonder if he'll represent himself in court. <laughs> Loved that era of Law and Order, by the way. That was yeah. my favorite Law and Order. And also, it, it, real quick aside here is yeah. that uh, there's a show called The Newsroom, not the Ken uh, Finkelman one. No, I know the one. Yes, with Jeff Daniels, right? Yes, excellent. And show. Sam Waterston is in that yes, with Jane Fonda, who's also getting yes. arrested all over the place. Yeah. So here you go. Follow the follow the money. That's exactly right. <laughs> all right, before we go, I'm gonna. This was a tweet from a player named Aubrey Huff. He played Major League Baseball for a number of years. He wasn't a great player wasn't anything special, but he's an idiot. Uh, and here's why. This is in regards to the story. I don't know if you heard the story about Michael Strahan. You know Michael Strahan, right? Of course. So he played for the New York Giants, great football player, and then he went on to host, uh, what's it called? Yeah, uh, ABC. Regis and Kathy Regis Lee, and Kathy which Lee. of course hasn't been called that in a long no, time. No, but you know that yeah. show, right? That yeah, show yeah. with, uh, now it's uh, Ryan uh, Seacrest and, uh, and uh, Kelly. 
Right. But, he, but before Ryan Seacrest, it was um, Michael Strahan. Yes. And now he hosts Fox NFL football, and he's on another game show. and Maybe another morning show? Another morning show. He's all over the place. Yeah. Anyway, he's got lots of dough. Anyway, here's what happened. Many years ago, many, many years ago, in fact, um, 13 years ago, he divorced from his wife. He had two uh, twin girls at the time. They were three years old. So here's what happened. His wife got, in the settlement, $15.3 million and a monthly stipend of $18,000 Not bad. in order to maintain the lifestyle that she was accustomed to and, of course, to support their two daughters. Right. So Michael Strand has been paying this amount. He paid, you know, the $15.3 million and $18,000 a month wow. for the last 13 years. He has not missed the support payments. She has gone to court in more than one state and filed because she, she feels she needs more money. She wants more money. She's explaining to judges in different states, because you can do that. You can file in different states, depending on where you had residences. He's got a residence oh, in yes. New York, so one's in Manhattan, homes. one's right. here, one was there. And so she's explaining to the judge why she needs more than 18000 a month. Now, the twin girls are 15 years of age now. When they turn 18, that's it, right? When they're 18, there's no more child support payments. Um, so she wants more money. So now Aubrey Huff, former Major League player, decides that he's going to tweet because he he feels that this is wrong. So here's what he tweets. Listen to this. Yeah. Divorce rates amongst athletes will continue to rise until the justice system is rightfully fixed. No way women who have never thrown a touchdown pass, hit a game-winning three, or a 2-0 slider deserve half a man's hard-earned money just for having his babies. Now, is that the most ridiculous thing? This is a former major league player. This guy actually was, uh, he was on the Hall of Fame ballot a couple of years ago. He didn't get any votes, but still. But I mean, this is- Maybe it's uh, Michael Strahan's buddy or something. No, uh, I don't think so. No. But I mean, this is a, I mean, it's very disturbing, right? To, to read a tweet like this, say, oh, now, whether this woman is right or wrong, whether she deserves it, she doesn't deserve it at all. Is it up to us, social commentary, to say <laughs> that all athletes, that the divorce rates would be down? Really, you think the divorce rates <laughs> would be down because of this? You really think so? You really think so. You're on the road all these times. You know, you, there's all these opportunities for you to fool around on your wife, drugs, alcohol, And as we know, Mr. Hedger, the divorce rate's high for regular people. Yeah. Like, you know, I got news I. for you. I don't care if you're a professional <laughs> athlete or not. If you're traveling as much as these people are traveling, whether you're male or female, if you're traveling that much, if you're away from your family that much, um, yeah, divorce, divorce is going to be more likely, whether you're a professional athlete or not. But anyway, I thought I'd throw that in because it was just a, such a stupid tweet. Yeah, everybody's got a uh, platform now of Twitter, and some uh, people are s revealing that they're not the brightest lights in the no, chandelier. No, definitely not. Uh -huh. All right, that is it for episode number 153 of Hebsey on Sports. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration, and thanks to our great sponsor, jerseyfactory.com. Play like a pro, look like a pro. Get your team outfitted with customized apparel. Visit jerseyfactory.com. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. We're back with another exciting episode shortly. Until then, so long for now.